thorny as we venture into the R&R, two truths are consistent. We love our dear Montana state and we love great beer. And you know who else feels the same? Jeremiah Johnson Brewing. Brewed in the heart of Montana in downtown Great Falls, Jeremiah Johnson takes Montana's finest ingredients to craft some of Montana's favorite beers. And now, Jeremiah Johnson's second tap room is open in downtown Coeur d'Alene. Their Citra IPA is probably one of my favorites, but we all know, Thorny, you're not the hop lover I am. You're more of a mountain man scotch ale. Well, Foley, I'm certainly not a mountain man, but you are right. I do love their mountain man scotch ale. But come game day, you and I are both cracking their golden bobcat pale ale. So when you're looking for a quality craft beer brewed with Montana roots, a relaxing tap room, or just a six-pack to take to your favorite bobcat tailgate, Jeremiah Johnson delivers. Make your next beer a Jeremiah Johnson, and as always, go Cats! Thorny, this has been a beefy episode. We've had longer. Yeah, I'm. Mean, I'm not talking about just length. I'm just talking about like the meat of the subject. It's it's been big. <laughs> not the know. length. It's the girth. Got <laughs> <laughs> to put an explicit tag on this episode. Yeah, you got to leave that in. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> Welcome everybody to the RNR Catcast. Fan-based podcast focusing on Montana State athletics. We're two dudes named Ryan from the state of Washington talking about our dear Montana State. We hope you enjoy. Welcome back, Bobcat fans. Thanks for joining us. We are the Ryans of the RNR Catcast, the Montana State affiliate of the Big Sky Podcast Network. We are fortunate enough to have our sponsor, Jeremiah Johnson, brewing in the heart of Montana in downtown Great Falls with a second tap room over in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. Thorny, how are you doing tonight, buddy? Doing pretty good, man. I'm excited to finally get around to talking about this episode. I'm doing well. How about you? It's a big episode, man. It's a really big episode. Yep. I got two beers on tap. <laughs> Just in case this goes a long time, there's a ton to cover. We're going to try and condense it, but uh, you know, you know how that goes with us. Anytime we say it's going to be short, it'll go long. So maybe if we say it's going to be a long episode, it'll be short. Well, well, we're going to get right into it and into the thickness that is Brent Vegan, the 33rd head coach hired by Montana State on Monday, I believe. It's been a week, but uh, yeah, now we're going to we're going to dive right into that here in a little bit. First, we're going to talk about what beer we're drinking tonight. And then uh, we have a lot. We have a lot on the plate today. We're going to talk. We're going to introduce just like the thoughts on the committee search, how Montana State went about their their business there, and then we'll we'll get right into Brent Vegan and his resume. We'll talk about how he fits up at Montana State, what kind of culture he's going to bring, how long we expect him to be there, maybe some expectations for us. Then we have a special treat. We before we hopped on tonight, we were able to catch Sam Herder. Um, you guys know Sam Herder. He's an FCS expert uh, from Hero. They're, they're senior analyst over there for the FCS football. He was uh, kind to give us about 10 minutes of his time and give us some thoughts. He's a NDSU guy, so he had previous um, interactions with Vegan and some thoughts on that that I think would benefit our listeners. And it was, it was good to hear from Sam, and he brought some perspectives that uh, Ryan and I had... Uh, had we we didn't have and so it was uh it was good to talk to him after that 
we are going to get into some Golden Coolie stuff. Oh, before the Golden Coolie stuff, Ryan, I forgot we're going to talk about the staff at Montana State. So, time to get into jam pack show, as they say. <laughs> but we're yeah. not any sort of uh, time constraints, so we don't have to like get it out before the next commercial break or anything like that. So there's that. No. And, and, and really, Ryan, too, like, I mean, we, we did the Jeff Choate episode, what, two weeks ago. It's been about 55 days of just turmoil and in Montana State right now. And it's been it's been a ride for us fans. And, and that's the cool thing about this podcast is we're just going to give you our our fan thoughts, how we feel about this, how it's affected us and what we think going forward. Yeah, we can pretty much, you know, say whatever we want to say, the raw emotions, like we just kind of let it all out. I'm sure plenty of people listening to this have had similar conversations with their friends. Like I've kind of, I hope that's what we kind of bring is just a fan perspective, an average fan. Right on. Well, let's get right into it. So what are we drinking tonight? Thorny, you're on tap. What do you got? So you got me in the mood for brown ales. You've had them uh, at least one episode recently, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. So I was at in Bellingham, and there is a place there called Elizabeth Station, which has is it's a giant beer place that has individual cans from basically all over the world. They have a really good selection, a really diverse selection. And they have a whole selection like Germany, and uh, you know the cans aren't even in English. You know, there's a whole bunch of stuff like that. But one th- one thing that caught my eye is Samuel Smith's Nut Brown Ale. And that is from England, a Samuel Smith brewery in Tadcaster, England. It is a nut brown ale. And uh, you know what? I haven't even opened it yet. So let me open it. <laughs> I had been drinking my other beer. Forgot to open this before I started talking about it. So there's my first little sip. Oh, man, that's that's pretty good. That's pretty smooth. That is that is nice. This is like the uh, the oldest brewery. In Tatcaster? Well, that can't mean very much, but anyway, established in 1758. Old brewery. Huh. I think we've had that beer on before, like in our initial season. That sounds familiar. Like, I, actually, when I was looking at it, it's like <laughs> Samuel Smith. I don't know if I had this beer, but I had a Samuel Smith. I mean, that does sound familiar. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> right on, man. Well, good. I like a good nut brown ale. I'm glad you found one. I've, I'm always on the hunt for nut browns. I don't know if nut brown ales have a season. It kind of feels more of a winter or a fall type beer, but uh, yeah, they're one of my favorites. All right, Thorny. Hey man, I have the privilege of drinking a Jeremiah Johnson brew tonight. The Citra IPA. I found it in Spokane. I'm super stoked. My wife found, or I found it. I called my wife. I say, hey, you know, I was going, uh, I wasn't near the place uh, that, that has the beer. So I, I called my wife and I said, Hey, would you go pick up a couple of Jeremiah Johnson's? And you can kind of pick them up just by single cans there. So she got the Citra IPA, the blonde and the mountain man. So tonight's the Citra IPA. I'm stoked to be drinking something um, from great falls, Montana. And of course it's Jeremiah Johnson. There are sponsors. So it's awesome. Put in my golden coolie. It's lovely. I love the Citra IPA. A special episode calls for some special beer. That's for sure. You know it, man. Yeah, I'm jealous. <laughs> right. I haven't found anywhere over here that has it, but as soon as I do, it's mine. All right, Thorny, before we dive into Brent Vegan's resume, let's, we, we have to talk about the search that Montana State put together because 
it was getting a lot of traction on the social media. I mean, national attention. We had quite a few candidates and it was, it was something that went a little longer than you and I had expected. But uh, Montana State pulled, I mean, to me, a very impressive search with quite a few committee members. Um, what, what was your just like thoughts on how Montana State went about business there? Well, I think before we get into that, I want to mention the search committee. I want to, the first thing I want to ask you about is the search committee. Did you think the search committee was too big? And what do you think about having the players on the search committee? And I'm going to go ahead and read the search committee out for anyone listening who may not have already known about this. We have Terry Leist, MSU Vice President Administration and Finance, Cami Bechtold, MSU Athletics. I'm not sure um, what she would be. Dan Davies. Casey Fox, um, George Haynes, facul- Faculty Athletics Rep and mm-hmm. University Athletics Committee. We have Dennis Erickson, MSU Bobcat legend and, you know, obviously coaching legend, NFL legend. Rick Van Cleve of the Quarterback Club. Trisha Binford, head women's basketball coach. And then the student athletes made up of Troy Anderson, Amandre Williams, Lewis Kidd, Tucker Rovig, Chase Benson, Michael Jobman, and Taylor Tuiasisopo. So there we have our committee, pretty large committee, and what, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven football players on the committee, basically representing various position groups, although we have two linemen on there, two offensive linemen on there. So does that tell you anything right there, that we put two O-line on there? Not necessarily. I just, I see (laughs) these guys as just the leaders within the program. I agree with that, but it's interesting how much of a priority MSU puts on running the football, having a good offensive line, and then two-sevenths of the committee was made up of offensive linemen. Yeah. You asked me a question, and maybe was there too many people on the committee? And that I don't know, because I don't know how they structured their their meetings and what kind of roles these people played. So uh, so I, I, don't, I, I don't have a good answer yeah. for that. I don't either. Just a question I asked. Maybe there is no answer. I mean, yeah. how would you possibly know right or wrong answer on that, I guess? The fact that it took longer than you and I expected, which what our expectations don't mean anything, right? Yeah. <laughs> Just because we thought it would take 10 to 14 days. Why do we think that? Is that stupid of us to even think that? I don't know. But it, it's certainly, you know, the more people you have, the more debate there's going to be, the more different opinions are going to be. Eventually, someone's going to make a decision. So maybe that led to the longer time frame. Maybe some guys were lobbying for certain guys and, you know, who knows, but, um, it mm-hmm. seems like a lot. Um, but I, I couldn't tell you if it's a good or bad thing. I think, no, as we're going to get into, I think we ended up with a guy that I'm super excited about. So I'm not upset with the committee and it must've worked out well enough. Yeah. One thing I really did like, just like a parting thought on this is just the amount of student athletes they had. I mean, we look at all those football players, I think Jeff Chilp built a player run program and to have that many players on this committee was strategic move by Leon. It is. I mean, you could almost argue that it, it kept them engaged. Um, they're captain type guys. So they kept their teammates engaged. Like, Hey, I'm hearing this. Come on guys. Let's, let's get around and chat about this new candidate we're talking about here. And you know, it keeps everyone engaged. It keeps the whole team engaged talking about MSU football and not maybe Oh no, what are we going to do? Should we start looking in the transfer portal? Maybe, maybe that's uh, part of the reason they did it, but obviously they did it too, because it's an important piece of it. You want to have your student athletes have a say in it. And I think that's kind of a democratic way to go about it. And I, 
I applaud MSU for kind of taking that approach. Yeah, I mean, definitely shows that they value our student-athletes, that's for sure. All right, any other final comments on the... Well, there, so there, we're talking about the committee now. What did you think about just the actual search and how it transpired? Some guys allegedly were offered, turned down it, turned down it or withdrew their candidacy. I mean, do you think it was like a normal thing? Do you think it was kind of like a... Were you worried at any point with uh, like Sonny Lubick, Sonny Lubick, Matt Lubick uh, <laughs> being supposedly offered the job and then withdrawing his name and all these things? Was that ever a concern to you? Oh, yeah. I mean, we're fans, right, Ryan? So we're, we have rooting interest in this and um, it was all over for us. You and I were, I mean, I would wake up every morning, just put in context and I would look at my phone and be like, I look to see if you had any information or. Uh, I would browse the Twitter to see if anything was updated from Coulter Nuanas and Skyline Sports, which, by the way, Coulter and uh, Brooks and Skyline did a fantastic job through this whole search. And they really were the leading force on putting out information. So, I mean, a lot of people think you and I have connections with Montana State. We really don't. (laughs) We're just, like we said, we're like two fans, just like you, you are who are listening. And so we were getting the same information, if not if not less information than some of you out there for sure. It's true. Yeah. There's definitely more connected Bobcat fans than us. Oh yeah. <laughs> we don't even Not live far. in Montana. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's <laughs> we don't have any sort of relationships. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I do want to give Coulter mad props here because otherwise we wouldn't even have known any of this. No. And, and maybe that would have been better. Yeah. <laughs> in some ways, <laughs> maybe if we didn't know he was hired or offered and he withdrew and these are all the candidates, we get excited about candidates that were actually never even, in serious consideration. I don't know. But I mean, we have to have the news. Someone's got to be doing it. And Coulter does as good as anybody. So just, just yeah. mad props to Coulter Nuanez, uh, Skyline Sports, and Brooks. Yeah. So a little final thought on that. There was definitely times during this search where I was like rooting for specific candidates. Like at one point, I was really hoping we would get Coach Mack back. Um, when um, Wilson news came out, I, I kind of, latched onto him. I don't know why, but it's more of a gut feeling. Um, vegan was a guy that we both looked at uh, highly early on. And so it was just, like I said, it kind of felt like a roller coaster. And then you would hear rumblings here and there. And so it just felt all over. And then to the point where you and I, Ryan, I mean, you're going to agree on this. We both just kind of got burnt out on it. <laughs> and it was just like, oh man, just tell me who we have at yeah. this point. Like, come on, let's just, just get on with this. And so it was kind of exhausting. I couldn't stay away though. Like I was, I'd get annoyed with it. I'm like, Oh my gosh, I don't care. Stop saying like this guy's a candidate. Then he with, with withdraws. Like, Oh, I just don't care. Just wake me up when we have a coach. And then 10 minutes later, I'm like refreshing Bobcat nation to see what people are saying. So it was like a culmination of like a 50 some days of just like anxiety of Jeff Chilt leaving. And then that happened. And the, the coaching search. And so, I mean, so the feelers were all over. So I think a lot of this is, is amplified exhausting. by the fact that we haven't played a football game in a long time. Oh my gosh. So, Come on now. It's, it's, this is all that uh, everyone's already like frustrated by never not, not getting to play any football. And then you add this onto it. It's just like, just just too much sometimes. So I'm glad it's over. Man. I'm glad yeah. we have a, a coach. <laughs> and if you and I feel this way, imagine how like Leon Costello feels. <laughs> and all the guys on the committee and, and, the, and the ladies on the committee, like how, how can everyone feel right now? They're probably, right. Ooh, I actually, I posted 
uh, a, a meme of uh, Frodo <laughs> from Lord of the Rings. Yeah. And like all beat up after he throws the ring in the whatever. I don't remember the movie, real well, but it's like, it is done. And the first person to like it was Leon Costello. Yeah. <laughs> he probably just saw that and like, yeah, that's me right there. It's yeah. beat up. It's done. I'm beat up. It's over. Yeah. Leon, if you're listening, I wanted to say thank you for all yeah. the service that you do for Montana state. We are really impressed with the work that you do. And um, hopefully we can talk to you someday. Yeah. That'd be awesome. Take a week vacation, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. All right. So that is our thoughts on the committee and the process. Let's move into talking a little bit about the new coach. Huh? That's what we're here for. So Brent Vegan becomes a 33rd head coach, Montana State history, coming over from Wyoming, where he served as the offensive coordinator from 2017 to 2020. Actually, I guess he was the OC the entire time. Uh, he also just had some various other positions at various points. But from 2014 to 2020, he was the offensive coordinator under Craig Bull's staff, who he's been with Craig Bull since 2002, 2003, somewhere in there. Um, he was on the North Dakota State staff basically from 1998 all the way up until that Craig Bull left for Wyoming and took Vegan with him. But before that, he was the offensive coordinator, North Dakota State from 2009 to 2013. Before that, he was the passing game coordinator. 2004, running backs, quarterbacks, tight ends before that. So he's done everything. North Dakota State, he played football at North Dakota State. He is born in Buxton, North Dakota, population like 306, <laughs> something like that. So small town boy. We're talking about a guy who's been coaching for 23 years and ha has been at two programs. That's, that's pretty impressive. Like that kind of commitment, longevity, and loyalty is something that's hard to find. And that's certainly going to play into the discussion we have later about the longevity but there it is there is brent vegan's resume and what let's just talk real quick here on what we're talking about here what did you think about his resume just looking at it on paper without considering it, like what kind of culture he might bring the fit he might have just from strictly a resume what do you think well if i'm looking at at it through the fans perspective i mean north dakota state obviously stands out and so that makes makes me happy because he's been around a championship culture and so i guess that's the biggest takeaway when i look at this like he's been indoctrinated in the run that north dakota state has had and i'm happy to have him now i mean that's going to be he he's seen what it's taken to win at the fcs level that's big that's big time for me it's kind of funny too um his time at north dakota state came to bozeman twice and he mentioned it in his press conference that kind of left an impression on him about how Montana State was only yeah. a handful of programs in the country that kind of have what it takes and that he would feel like leaving his position for to be a head coach at. And part of that is uh, in 2010 when they came to the playoffs. And then the other one was 2005. I believe it was 2005. It was Mike Kramer. Yeah. And they had just transitioned from Division Two, and they were still like, Top 10. They're basically like a top five program immediately in the FCS. And they weren't even playoff eligible for like two years because of the rules, but they're still like the number three ranked team who wasn't playoff eligible. So, uh, but we actually beat them in that game. It was like 20 to 17. It was a, it was a close fought game. I think with Lule quarterback back then. Anyway, way tangent here. Uh, a guy was who Thorny, had, hold on. Was uh 2010. Was that the game when we lost it in the fourth quarter? Yeah, that was a game where we were, Holding strong, yeah. like driving down to get back within a touchdown or maybe even tie the game. 
And I think we had a turnover and then they just boat raced us. Like this ran for like 300 yards in that one and a half quarters. <laughs> yeah. It was maddening. I remember that game. Seems like every time we play North Dakota State, they just run for 600 yards on us. So, yeah. So there you go. A guy who has been in a program that knows how to win FCS national championships. He was the offensive coordinator for three of those. He helped coach Carson Wentz, Easton Stick, and I'm not sure about Brock Jensen, but, uh, you know, all the stud quarterbacks that North Dakota State has had. So obviously his time at North Dakota State goes without saying successful. Does his time at Wyoming concern you where he, his offenses were not super productive Wyoming, not in a very good football team in, in during his time there or Craig Bull's time there, just a kind of a meddling, uh, oh my gosh, I can't think of the conference right now. Help me. Uh, the Mountain West. Mountain West. I was going to say Missouri Football Conference. The Mountain West Conference. <laughs> uh, do you think his kind of m- mediocre success at Wyoming is concerning? So if we would have talked about this last night, which we tried to... I would have been akin to say, yeah, probably. But I was thinking about this in the shower this morning, oddly enough. And I was reminded of our former coach, Jeff Choate. He would always say, this is about the players. And if it's about the players and you're at Wyoming, we know Wyoming doesn't get the top-notch players. So it makes me a little less concerned because attracting a big-time athletes who are going to be difference makers specifically on the offensive side of the ball, Wyoming not is not going to be your first option. So, you know, if you don't have the horses to do the job, you just don't have the horses. Is it your responsibility, especially as an offensive coordinator, to adjust to the horses you do have? Yeah, for, of course. And, and when you look through his stats, you're going to see the rushing is definitely more prolific than the passing in his time at uh at, at Wyoming. What are your thoughts? So and my, I know you have some reservations. Well, like the more I've thought about it, the less I have. So let's say his style of football didn't work great at Wyoming, had varying degrees of success. Some years they were decent. Some years they were pretty bad. He's going to have, in terms of the t- the teams he's competing against way higher level talent than he'll ever have had at Wyoming. He will have the horses Mm -hmm. to do what he wants to do. So he's at Wyoming and you're not going to get, you're not going to get the guys that are going to go out and win against the Boise States or the other, you know, elite teams in the West and the PAC 12, even, and you're not going to get those guys. But if you're at Montana state, you're going to get, the best guys that you can get at this division that are going to be able to go out and win the Big Sky Conference. And arguably, he already has a lot of those on the team because Montana State has a very good roster currently. So I just think the fact that he's going to be able to recruit higher talent to the relative level that he's at than he would ever have had the possibility to do at Wyoming. Yeah, I think think that's a great point. So that makes me more optimistic. It does make, I mean, yeah, I have some reservations. I'm not going to say... Man, he's just such an amazing coach at Wyoming that how do we even get him? I mean, it sounds like Wyoming fans are almost universally not too sad to see him go. But mm-hmm. you also <laughs> wonder how much of that is a product of being being a, a coach, assistant coach under Craig Bowl, who's been running his style, his vision f- for twenty almost 20 years. 
Correct. So we'll find out real quick. And so will Wyoming. Um, if it was a Craig Bull offense or if it was a Brent Vegan offense at Wyoming. <laughs> but e- like, even if it is his offense and people have worries about that, I still think he'll have more horses at this level than he would ever at Wyoming against, you know, comparable competition. Well, one thing Brett, uh, Brent was talking about in his press conference is, you know, he really stressed his admiration and cultivation underneath Craig Bull. So I imagine it's going to, I would assume it's going to be largely the same. I mean, Craig Bull teams are very tough. There's, there's no doubting that. So I think this is probably a good time to transition into the next thing on our sheet here, which is, I'm actually looking at it for once. Are you looking at it? Yes. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. We don't norm. We, we always have a good outline template put together <laughs> and then we just like ignore it largely and then go back to it and fr- like, oh man, we didn't talk about that, but we're looking at it. Fit. This is a good time to transition into the fit. How well do you think Brent vegan fits into the culture, <laughs> into Bozeman as a Montanan? I mean, it seems like he checks all the boxes. I don't know much about Brent Vegan. I mean, we have a little bit of a sample size just watching him speak, and he's certainly different than Jeff Choate. And I don't want to spend tonight talking about the juxtaposition of him and Jeff Choate, but that is something to note, right? Yeah, I mean, Jeff Choate's this charismatic um, figure, great orator, and Brent Vegan is, he was just, like, he commanded the room. I could tell he had a presence specifically when I, I saw him address the players, which made me like super happy. Um, but he's not that he didn't come across as that fiery individual that Jeff Choate is. So just maybe a cooler, calmer demeanor. And that's fine. He's going to be himself, how he fits in Montana. I think, you know, coming from North Dakota, I think it's a big deal coming from a small town. He's going to be able to relate to a lot of Montana, especially when he goes on the recruiting trail. He goes on the Eastern recruiting hit. (laughs) All those towns are going to be bigger than the town he grew up in. (laughs) Yeah, Plenty of what's going to be bigger than Buxton. That's huge, right? Uh, I think to be like in, to endear himself to Montana state culture, I think you just kind of have to be a salt of the earth kind of guy, tough, um, no nonsense, going to, you know, run a, high-level program that is player-run. I think that I think Brent's going to bring that, man. I mean, everything what I've been learning about him, I was a little hesitant at first. He didn't excite me. I mean, I'll be honest. It didn't excite me right away. But the more I'm starting to mine information, the more I'm starting to see, yeah, that this was a good fit. This is probably maybe the best fit. I'll even say that. Maybe the best fit we could have had going forward. I remember like uh, one of the first texts you sent me, like, you know what? I, this guy just does not excite me. <laughs> yeah. And obviously that was days ago and yeah. well before press conferences, well before that uh, little video that the uh, Bobcat football Twitter account posted of him addressing the players. Like this is just your initial impression. But part of that is I think because of how the search was played out. Cause we had so many like high profile guys and you started getting stars in your eyes a little bit for the, these kind of higher caliber guys and you know, none of them were head coaches necessarily either, but like Matt Lubick, I mean, that guy's a big time in the coaching profession, the P five. And then you got like a, the Ken Wilson guy came on strong and he seemed really attractive at, at the time. And it's like, it almost just feel like you just all of a sudden like, Oh, well this guy's been on the radio the whole time and we're going with him. Like, Oh, okay. But 
So it means that doesn't really mean anything. So it's easy to be disappointed only because of how the search played out. But in all honesty, he probably may have been the best candidate from the moment he came on the radar. For me, the reason why he didn't feel like the best candidate or maybe why I felt lackluster about him was simply because the drug that is Jeff Choke for me. I love me some Jeff Choke and he yeah. was, he's not Jeff Choke. And like I had, I have, and then still am working through that. It's just kind of like a breakup, like, like we were talking about yesterday. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the only concern I have from Jeff Choate's legacy is that, you know, he really did make it a player run program and he, he tried to make things about Montana state, but at the same time it was about him in some ways. Mm-hmm. There just had to be an air of like, um, I don't want to say like demagoguery, but you know, a little bit about me. And now that he's not here, how is it, is it about the program or how much was it about Jeff Choate? I guess we'll probably find out relatively soon, but I think, yeah. I think the program, I think Jeff Choate did a good job making about the program, about Montana state, about the, the name on the front of the Jersey. So I think a guy like vegan can come in and sustain that and fit right in. Absolutely. So let's, let's move into the kind of like culture, Ryan. Like what, what kind of culture do you think he's going to want to establish? I think he's going to be philosophically a lot like Jeff Choate in terms of culture. I think he's going to want to have things kind of player driven upwards. And I think uh, that's something Sam Herger says on his little bit, we're going to play for you, play for you in a little while, but that's something Jeff Choate instilled here. A lot of player run stuff. The culture permeates through the players. They're the ones that are kind of almost responsible for passing it down to the new guys on campus. So I think, I think culturally, just the way he envisions football being played and knowing what it takes to win championships and just win championships in an environment like Bozeman, Montana, or, or, you know, in the elements. I think he knows a lot about what it takes to win football in November. I, I think just culturally, I think he fits in pretty well from what I've seen in red. How about you? Uh, when I was listening to him, he talked a lot about his dad being an influence in his life. And uh, his dad was a, a nine-man football coach in North Dakota. And he said he learned a lot about how how to treat people, how to, but what, what relationships are, specifically in the lens of a football coach. And, and he kind of capped it off. He said, you know, if, if, you're, at, if you're a head coach and, and relationships aren't your top priority, you're in it for the wrong wrong reasons and so for me that that i love that that's 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 all about me and anybody who's been listening you know i'm i'm all about the father figure and so i think he brings that i think he values that and so if if he values that i think the culture is going to be great and, and to kind of piggyback on a different little thing about culture he kept talking about winning national championships i mean that is <laughs> what he said like very first thing when the very first first glimpse we got with the players, he's like, "Hey, we're about winning a national championship." And when you heard uh, when you watched the Leon's uh, presser that Skyline put out, he said, uh, "Brent's vision: uh, three things: beat the Grizz 365 days a year, uh, win a conference title, and win a national championship." And when I heard those three things, I'm on board. That's it. That's all there needs to be. Yeah. Right. And you can shuffle the order, but those are the three things. Mm-hmm. And yes, I love. I loved how he came out and told the players, 
we have to be about winning a national or we have to make winning a national championship be what it's all about. And yeah, couldn't agree more. Like we just have to have the mentality that we're not just going to squeak into the playoffs. We're not going to like, all right, we made it good. No playoffs are a given. How far do we go in them? Yeah. And I'm, I'm excited to see a guy who brings that national championship pedigree. Who's won three national championships at this level of football. Like how rare is that? To get a coach with national championship experience on the staff <laughs> as your head coach at this level. I love what he said. He goes, yeah, making the quarters, making the semis, that's all about it. You know, that's fine. But we're here to win national <laughs> championships. Like we, we are just salivating. We're like, oh my gosh, we made it to the corner finals. Yeah. That's like, that's chump change to, to yep. Brent Vegan. <laughs> just nonchalantly just push chump that Chump change guy. to the North Dakota State, anything. <laughs> yeah. But yes, right. agreed. Like he's Jeff Choate did such a good job of elevating the expectations and standards. We've talked about this in the past. Like the standard is now to beat the Grizz, not hope we're going to beat the Grizz. Now the next standard is to make a playoff run. You know, that's just what that you just take those natural progressions, the next steps. For sure. All right. So let's talk a little bit about longevity. This is something that I think is important. Um, I think Jeff Choate made us realize it's important. It makes you think about it. Do you want a guy who's going to be such a rising hot shot in the, in the profession? He comes in here and he's hired. He does a great job. He's out three, four years. Or do you want to try and find a guy who can maybe have this, that sustained success, but who might stick around a lot longer? And of course, the answer is obviously going to be the guy who sticks around a lot longer. But how do you do that? And how do you how do you weigh the differences there? So let's analyze for a second. Do you think Brent Vigan is the kind of guy who's going to stick around even if, let's say, year three, year four, somehow we, we do with the national championship, we get there? Is he a guy who sticks around? Looking at his track record, yeah, I think so. And I'm going to couple that with what like Leon Costello said is Brent Vigan wants to be at Montana State. Now, he said that the same thing about Jeff Chope or... I guess Peter Fields was the guy that hired Jeff Chilt, but uh, you know, I've, we've heard that before about Chilt. However, I mean, the, the proof is in Every the pudding. Every coach when you look is going to say that. Yeah, right. The proof is in the pudding. When you look at his work resume, he's been really only two places. And, and when you listen to him talk about it, he goes, yeah, I've been approached with different things, but it's never been the right fit for me. And he talked about Montana State being the right fit for him and his family. So, I have no reason to believe that he's looking to move on. I think he likes FCS football. And another thing, Ryan, if I'm just being honest in the next five years, looking at Montana state, looking at like where we are going, just kind of as a whole in the university, I wouldn't be surprised if salary bumps, you know, come along that are, we're paying more to our coaches. And so to make this a more attractive place. And of course, if we do it, then it's going to happen to happen with Mon- the university of Montana. I just see, I just see that happening. So, uh, I think it's a good time to be. I, I mean, I think he struck gold so be, because I think Montana State's going to go. I mean, we're going to talk about this later on, but it, you know, the the possibility of going FBS in the future, I think, is a real possibility, and that's going to bring some money. So, I think he position position himself well, and if he's a success successful coach, who knows? Yeah, I mean, he might be around for a long time. Yeah, I think he I think he has a good chance to be a coach who has some longevity. Um I was listening I didn't listen to it, I read 
some quotes from Craig Bull's press conference when he they hired Tim Pulisic to fill um, his position. Just a pretty funny little circumstance there, who was also a candidate at Montana State for the head coaching gig. But he said that, you know, Brent Vegan, Vegan, Brent, has had some opportunities to be head coaches in the last few years. And he didn't take them. He turned them down or didn't want to pursue them. He didn't say where. I mean, it could be Division Two. You don't know where it would be. But sure. I, th- I think a guy who has only lived in North Dakota, coached in North Dakota, and coached in Wyoming, like, for, he's 45 years old. If he's going to take a job, I think his dream jobs are probably anywhere in that kind of region, right? And there's not a whole lot of jobs. If you're going Division yeah. One or FCS, there is North Dakota State, North Dakota, South Dakota State, South Dakota, Wyoming, Montana, Montana State. <laughs> that's it, right? Yeah. I, I guess you could probably throw like Idaho State in there because it's probably closer to... I, I don't know my geography very well. I, is Pocatello closer to Laramie than, than like Bozeman? I don't know. But either way, there's not... If you, if you draw like a circle, there's not a lot of places around there that you'd want to be. And I get the sense that he actually wanted to be here. He got excited when the the job was going to potentially come open when Jeff Choate was putting his name in the ring uh, for the Boise State job. I think his ears perked up then. Uh, we'll get into this with Sam Herter as well. But I think it's a job he's had an eye on. And once he got wind that it was going to become open and it officially did become open, I think he was pretty excited to throw his, his hat in there. So I think he's a guy who wants to be here. I think he's a guy who's comfortable at this level of football. And I don't, I don't know if he's a guy who's chasing that power five position coach or head coach gig or anything like that. I think he's a guy who could truly stick around as long as he wants to. Yeah. Well, it's going to be results driven, right? So if he's floundering two, three years in his seat's going to be hot because Montana state's just exploding right now that we don't have time to just wait around for that kind of, uh, those kind of results. All right. So, we were going to talk about expectations here. I think this is actually a good time to play the Sam Herder interview. Uh, we've been talking about fit culture, all that stuff. We're going to do that again with Sam Herder here, and we'll come out of that. We'll talk a little bit about expectations year one, what we want, think the expectations might be in year three, four, and five, all this stuff. And we'll get our final thoughts on vegan before we kind of move on to some other stuff. So um, this interview was supposed to be you and me. We had some audio issues where Sam Herder could not hear you. Ryan Foley. So <laughs> basically it's just me doing the interview at this point, but here's a little 15 minute clip with Sam Herder on his thoughts on Brent Vegan. Again, Sam Herder, FCS, senior FCS analyst for Hero Sports, NDSU alum, covered NDSU after graduating. So the guy knows plenty about the program and Brent Vegan. So here is our, I guess my interview with Sam Herder. Now we welcome in Sam Herder of Hero Sports, the senior FCS analyst. We thought we would bring in Sam to talk a little bit about the hiring of Brent Vegan because he is familiar with him from his days at North Dakota State. Sam Herder is a NDSU alum. Am I correct on that, Sam? Uh, yeah, I graduated from NDSU and I, I started covering FCS and NDSU football back in 2011, 2012. So covered the, the first three national championships uh, there when, when Brent Vegan was there. So uh, pretty familiar with him and, and what he brings to the table for Montana State. Uh, so you just missed covering when Brent Vegan came to Bozeman in 2010 and 
stomp the Bobcats. <laughs> yeah, I, I do remember that. I wasn't covering the team or anything like that, but I do remember that surprise run that NUSU had back that year. That seemed that almost seemed like the game that kind of catapulted North Dakota State into their you're welcome, Bison fans. We're the springboard, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so one thing uh, that was interesting to me, I was actually listening to your BMAC and Herd FCS podcast, which um, guys, if you're listening, check it out. They're the best FCS podcast around. But you had uh, you were talking a little bit about names that you thought would be good replacements for Jeff Choate. And I believe this was unprompted or without any prior knowledge, but you actually brought up Brent Vegans. So when the announcement came down that it was actually Brent Vegan, uh, what was your initial impression? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, really, I thought it was a home run hire um, because everything just fits uh, with Brent Vegan and what he brings for Montana State. And you know, I, I did cheat a, a little bit on the podcast. I first heard. Uh, you know, when I brought up Dan Jackson, that was, you know, straight up out of the blue, but Brent Vegan, I heard a small amount of whispers when Jeff Choate was being seriously considered for the Boise state job. You know, I just got a text that said, you know, Hey, like this is low key. Like don't know how much is there. It's completely off the record. But if Jeff Choate did get the Boise state job in Montana state was still playing to play in the spring, like one of their top targets would be Brent Vegan. But, but you know, that, that person that told me that said he wasn't sure if, if there was mutual interest there that, you know, Brent Vegan was just a name that Montana State was interested in. And so his name was in the back of my mind. I just didn't know if if, if Vegan was going to leave an associate head coach and OC coordinator job at the FBS level to be an FCS head coach. But when I saw his name was actually out there for, you know, as a finalist, I thought, you know, honestly, that he should be their top target. And I, <clears throat> I understand that, you know, there was maybe some other offers made before Vegan, but, uh, you know, ultimately, I think Montana State got the the right guy. I mean, I'm sure you guys have, have talked about it already, but you know, just, he understands how the FCS works. Sometimes when you bring in an, an FBS coordinator, they don't understand that. Okay. You know, our, our recruiting budget's a little smaller and we have less scholarships and our meeting rooms are a little smaller. Our locker rooms are a little smaller. Like this is a little bit different. And uh, vegan knows, you know, how the FCS level operates. He obviously knows what it takes to win national championships and conference championships at the FCS level. Uh, you know, as an associate head coach, he did have somewhat head coaching duties. Uh, we know about his pedigree with the quarterbacks that he's worked with and sending them to, to the NFL. And, and, you know, obviously Montana state quarterback is one position they, they struggled with under Jeff Choate. Uh, and, you know, regionally too, I mean, he, he, he knows that region uh, he, he's recruited uh, in that region. He can probably even dip into a little bit of North Dakota and maybe Montana state can start getting some big North Dakota offense alignment along with Montana offense alignment. So, I mean, all the way around it, it, it really made sense for me. And I thought that he, you know, I'm surprised he wasn't, you know, offered the job uh, right away. But ultimately, you know, he, he's the new guy there. Well, it's interesting that you mentioned that you kind of heard whisperings of Vegan when Choate was um, interested in the Boise State job because I think Vegan came out in his pre- press conference and basically said, like, he was interested. As soon as he heard Jeff Choate was going to Boise State, it kind of like instantly became on his radar. He kind of had apparently identified as Montana State as kind of a, a program that he would potentially leave to be a head coach at. and uh, Chris, uh, Chris Bowles press conference yesterday, I believe, which is, which would be Wednesday at this point, he had, he had mentioned that maybe vegan had other head coaching opportunities and had turned them down. So it was kind of waiting for the right fit. And I think you just described it well that Brent vegan seemed to be a perfect fit for Montana state. So it all kind of came together. 
Yeah. And, you know, I know he, when uh, Chris Kleiman left NSU back in uh, 2018, I want to say, you know, uh, I, I know the three finalists for that job uh, was Matt Entz, who obviously got the job, and then Brent Began, and then Tim Polisek, uh, who coincidentally has replaced uh, Began as Wyoming's offensive coordinator. It's kind of funny how things just come full circle. And, uh, and so when, when I heard that, you know, the whisper of vegan, yeah, it is interesting that, you know, his, you know, ears perked up when, uh, when, uh, he, he found that, that Jeff Choate was potentially on the move. Uh, but you know, my, my initial thought was probably, okay, you know, vegan, he, he's probably, you know, he probably can replace Craig bull bull probably, only has three, four or five years left. And my thinking was, okay, vegan, if, if he was going to come back to the FCS level, maybe the only place that would be is North Dakota state or else he'll just be patient and be an FBS head coach in a few years. Uh, but then I, I heard a little bit of his press conference and he was saying that Montana state was, you know, one of the few schools that, that he would be interested in being a head coach. And, you know, when I heard that, it, it did make sense because I've talked about it plenty of times and written about it that, you know, Montana state has, the same things that NDSU has as far as support, you know, facilities are coming, you know, fan support, administration uh, supports uh, the only, you know, the only show in, in town really along with the rival in the state. And so Montana state is a lot like uh, NDSU in that sense. And, and so it, I, I think it, it's a good fit for both sides. So you just mentioned that uh, vegan was a finalist for the North Dakota state job uh, after Chris Kleiman left, left for Kansas state. I'm just curious what on what your personal thoughts would have been if Vegan had been hired by North Dakota State instead of Matt Entz. Yeah, you know, honestly, when I put out, you know, when when Kleiman was officially hired, when I put out my top candidates uh, for the NSU opening, you know, I actually thought Vegan was probably the prime candidate uh, instead of Entz uh, because you know Vegan is a North Dakota guy grew up in North Dakota, played at, at, at North Dakota States was a coach at North Dakota state, um, uh, for a long time. And then was an associate head coach at the FBS level for a few years. And I thought that maybe he was probably more ready to be a head coach than Matt Entz. Uh, but I think ultimately, uh, NDSU went with Matt Entz, which obviously that was just a fine, uh, choice because he went to whatever it was 19 and know in his first year. Uh, but I think they, they probably went with Entz more the fact, just a familiarity, uh, you know, NDSU, a lot of things have changed at NDSU, uh, since 2013 when vegan left, uh, you know, the administration's not really familiar with vegan that the players obviously probably don't even probably didn't even know who he was. And so it probably did make more sense for NDSU to go with Entz uh, just because of the, familiar, the familiarity thing. But I, I, at that time, going back a couple of years, I was thinking that Vegan is, is probably more ready to be a head coach and lead a program uh, than, than Matt Entz. Would you say that uh, Vegan is a player's coach? Is that how you would describe him? Yeah, I think so. You know, I really do. It'll be, it'll be interesting to see what his uh, coaching style is. Uh, I do feel that uh, he is a player's coach. Um, you know, I, I saw somewhere, read somewhere that, you know, when he told his quarterback room that he was leaving, that it was, it was pretty emotional, um, you know, tears with the players and with coach vegan. And that shows you how much uh, the players that he has coached and, and was coaching, how much they respect him and, and appreciate him. 
so I think he is a, a player's coach. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what kind of style he has. Uh, you know, Craig Ball is more of the CEO type where he stands in the middle of the field with his eye, with his arms crossed and kind of just, you know, watches all the drills as they're going on. Uh, I know, you know, when Chris climate took over, he was more, you know, into the drills and throwing passes and, you know, kind of working with the linebackers and stuff like that. And so I, I guess I, I don't know for sure, but my guess would be vegan will be more hands-on instead of having that CEO type of just standing in the middle of the field and overseeing everything. I can see him, you know, taking part in, in quarterback drills and then, you know, jogging over and seeing what the, what, what the DBs are up to and, and stuff like that. I, I think that's the type of style he'll, he'll have, you know, obviously I, I don't know that for sure, but I do feel like he is a player's coach that, uh, you know, really, uh, because the thing with NDSU too is, you really need player buy-in and if you have a player run program that usually results in national championships and so i think that's what vegan is going to bring to montana state which you know the bobcats probably already had that in some sense but i think he'll he'll really let uh the players uh more or less kind of not run the program but have a say in a, a lot of things yeah i think that's something jeff choate definitely instilled here was mm-hmm. a player run practices player run you know like you said a lot of player run stuff culture and everything like that so that's Good to hear that he kind of believes in that too, and I think stuff is already in place. I mean, Vigan is really stepping into a pretty good situation at, at Montana State. The coach wasn't fired. The staff is pretty much intact. The culture has been built up. So I'm just curious, how do you think that uh, Vegan will fit in? Uh, I don't know how to phrase this. Jeff Cho is kind of a hard act to follow. I wonder how do you how do you from an outsider's perspective, how do you think that's going to work? Following a just a charismatic guy like Jeff Choate. Yeah, you know, I, I think the the fans, the players, uh, <laughs> the media that that cover him, it'll probably take some adjustment because he is a little bit more vanilla. You know, he's not eccentric. He's not, uh, you know, a, a, a quote machine. He's very level headed and mellow. And I think you know that could be a good thing for Montana State. Uh, you know, I, I always. I always say that players kind of take on the attitude of their head coach, um, which is why, you know, Youngstown State and Bo Pliny, they could be great one week and then bad uh, the other week just because, you know, we all know what Bo is like. Uh, but I think, you know, having, you know, kind of that, that, you know, I don't want to say level-headed because it's not like Jeff Choate was not level-headed, but a more even-keeled guy, you know, calm, um, you know, that'll take some adjustments. But at the same time, you know, personality wise, it'll be different, but I do think philosophy wise, vegan and choked are pretty similar. Uh, it's interesting that, you know, while vegan had, you know, so many great quarterbacks under his wing, he still was as a offensive play caller, a run first guy. And so that obviously is still going to be what Montana state does is run the football. And then I think he'll add in the fact that he can identify quarterback talents. He can develop them. Um, and kind of have that be the, the missing piece for the Bobcats. Kind of leads me into my last question here, and then uh, we'll let you get out of here. Um, do you think Brent Vegan is capable of uh, taking Montana State over the next hump, getting to maybe a national championship game? Yeah, I think he is the guy for that, honestly. You know, I, I mentioned earlier that sometimes when, if you hire an FBS coordinator, uh, you know, Sometimes that can, it's, it's more of an adjustment for the coach than the player, uh, than the players themselves. And I think, you know, vegan, he obviously hasn't been a head coach before, but in my opinion, um, you know, I, I think he has head coach written all over him. Uh, when I also 
saw that uh, Tim Polisek, who I'm also familiar with, and I saw that he was, you know, potentially not on the, maybe not the final candidates list, but still a candidate. I was kind of thinking, I don't know. I just, Polisek just kind of feels like, you know, a, he doesn't really feel like a head coach. He doesn't come off as a head coach. He, he comes off of, as more of a coordinator. I always felt that Began comes off as a head coach and he comes off as a guy uh, th- th- that can lead a program. And, you know, like I said, you know, he knows what it takes at the FCS level to get to that point. Uh, he's not going to have to, you know, overhaul a lot uh, with, you know, all the players are our own place. The scheme I'm guessing is not going to change a whole lot. It's still going to be, uh, you know, running the ball. Uh, they might run a little bit more under center uh, compared to maybe some shotgun formations uh, that I know Montana state does. But I mean, overall, I, I do think uh, he is the perfect candidate to, to get Montana state over that hump uh, and, and to play for a national championship. Well, we certainly hope so. And Bozeman, that's kind of the expectations now that Choi has built up and hopefully that's a uh, Vigan can take us there. So Sam, thanks for coming on. Really appreciate it. Why don't you tell our listeners where we can find some of your great work? Yeah, our website is heroesports.com. And then my Twitter account is at Sam Herter FCS. All right. Thanks, Sam. All right. Thank you, guys. Well, all right. That was our interview with Sam Herter. Appreciate Sam coming on and chatting a little bit about Brent Vegan. What did you think about Sam's uh, in, uh, unique perspective on Brent Vegan? Well, I always appreciate when Sam comes on and he has a different lens than you and I have. One thing that I really thought that just kind of stood out to me listening to Sam was he just saw some fears maybe that I've had, like, is vegan the guy? Like, and Sam's giving him his full ind- endorsement. I mean, we straight up asked him, if would you be okay if he would have been the NDSU coach? And like, Sam's like, yeah. So he, by all means, that just gives me a lot of, a uh, lot of hope, I guess, going forward. Yeah, I really think that what Sam said, and I have no reason to not believe anything he said, gives Bobcat fans who may have had any reservations, I think it makes you feel a little bit better. A guy who knows the FCS landscape, who's covered the FCS landscape, who's been a part of the fandom at NDSU and covered the program. I mean, he's okay with him running the coach. He seemed to give a pretty good endorsement. He called him a player's coach, which I know you and I have wondered if what that would be like, he thinks he's a player's coach. I think that's something that you and I kind of put an emphasis on. So really good interview. And I appreciate Sam for coming on and talking about it. So expectations. Now we get, we've talked a bit about vegan. What do you think is going to happen next fall? Do you think, I mean, that's a real broad question, but uh, yeah. do you, I guess you could say, do you, whatever expectations you had coming into fall under Jeff Choate, are they similar, less, more now with Brent Vegan at the helm? If I had to, to say today, I would just say they'd probably be similar. Uh, given what we've talked about, his vision and Choate's vision align essentially on how football is to be played. And Brent, Brent Vegan talked about that in his press conference. And so I don't foresee a major departure of how we play football going forward. Now, we might be better in the quarterback, and that would be great. Uh, so my, my, my expectations of first season are largely the same. I'm really interested to see kind of how he rounds out his staff. And we're going to talk about that a little later. And that might influence on a little bit on uh, how I feel about certain things. But well, I mean, he, 
he said this is not a reclamation project we're we are built to win right now so we're we're going to continue to win and i think he he's going to expect that he's i mean obviously that's what his first words to the, to the boys we're here to win national championships <laughs> and so high expectations i think we're going to roll now he said so much in his press conference about he's like hey i realize i'm stepping into a good situation here mm-hmm. and he's not wrong the roster no. is very good right now uh munchie filer did put his name in the portal which actually does hurt um he I, he hasn't played in a couple of years so i guess we've been playing without him but um it depends on how many other guys transfer and all that but as of right now um admirably nobody has entered the transfer portal which i'm actually pretty impressed with i don't know if it's gonna stay like that but if it ends up being the case i think it's a huge testament to the program at montana state but anyway my expectations are largely the same because colder talked about this and you you and i have talked about this offline jeff choate had a fair amount of uh, deficiencies as a coach and he masked those in certain ways but there's certainly so many things that could have been improved upon. Obviously, the biggest number one thing that you and I hammered on every single episode we've ever done this podcast is <laughs> Jeff Choate's ability to develop quarterbacks. And we got a guy here whose reputation at the top of his resume is probably developing quarterbacks. So any sort of elevated quarterback play and you kind of maintain the status quo everywhere else. And I think you, at the very least, you have whatever expectations I would have had for next year, which were pretty high to begin with. I think he can. Uh, I think he can do the same with the roster in, intact the way it is anyway. And if the staff stays relatively intact, at this point, I would say yes. I'd say my expectations are probably pretty similar. Yes, yeah. might be kind of crazy. Might be stupid to say that, but <laughs> I, I, that's what I'm doing. That's my thoughts right this very second as I'm recording the podcast. Probably different in uh, 24 hours. Oh gosh, I know. And then we we're just itching for any kind of spring ball, fall ball. And we're so starved of Montana State football right now. It's hard. It's hard to predict anything, really. Yeah. But yeah, I think you and I are aligned on that. We have high expectations. I think he has those same expectations. And uh, he talked about it. You know, we're, we're ready to go. All right. Well, we, I mentioned a little bit about the staff there. Uh, unless you want to talk about expectations down the road, I think we might just skip over that. Keep this thing moving. What do you, th- what do you think? Yep. I'm, I'm good with that. All right, so the very first thing that Brent Vegan has done is he brought on Taylor Housewright to be his offensive coordinator. He is a, a grad assistant from Wyoming, is the connection there in 2018. That's how they know each other. Um, he has no experience calling plays. He's 32 years old. He was a offensive analyst at Oregon last year. The year before that, uh, he was an offensive quality control position at Mississippi State. He also assisted with the running backs. Uh, then the, there's the 2018 year where he's at Wyoming with the offensive grad assistant. Before that, he was at two years at Ashland, which is a Division II program, wide receiver coach one year, the, uh, defensive back coach the next. Then he was at Division Three Wittenberg, wide receivers coach in 2015. And then his very first coaching gig in 2013 and 14, Miami, Ohio, grad assistant, quarterback coach one year, defensive back coach the second year. He was an All-American quarterback at Ashland, so where he coached Division Two. So basically, we're talking about a guy who has pretty minimal experience in a lot of ways, zero experience calling plays to re- to replace the guy that Jeff Choate had brought in, Justin Udy, who had actually never even got a chance to call a game at Montana State. I guess real quick, what do you think of this hire? 
I think that Taylor Housewright must have had a significant impact on Brent Vegan during those time during that time he was at Wyoming. They must have had a strong connection. There must have been something Vegan saw in him that just just captivated him, and it was like, yeah, okay, if I get this position, this is going to be one of those guys I call. And so that's the only thing I can really put together on this because, yeah, I mean, he's been at a, quite a few places, but his uh, experience as far as just being able to be an OC, I'm I'm not seeing I'm not seeing the work there quite yet. No, I mean MSU has had inexperienced play callers last few years. I mean Matt Miller comes to mind, obviously. You don't say, yeah, yeah, right, <laughs> right, right there. <laughs> um, you would hope that a program like ours could. It's, it, it comes back to the expectations as a fan of what kind of talent we can recruit as a coach, as from the coaching side. You would think you'd be able to get a guy with some more offensive play calling experience, as in some. I mean, I thought Justin Udy was an experience, <laughs> to be some. honest with you. So then we got this guy who's never done it at all, but that's the only thing I can think of is he must have made a super strong impression on Taylor House, right? The hire was made pretty darn quick. So I think it's something he must have had in mind. And of course, if you listen to a podcast on Taylor House, right, um, how he got into the coaching gig, I don't think you'd be surprised that he would drop everything at the at the, at the phone call and just drive straight over to Bozeman immediately. Did you <laughs> did you listen to that podcast by chance? No, I didn't. He took a, a a he took a job at a managing a bar, like right out of college because it was good pay. And they they were happy to have him because he was he was a college grad, which is better than most yeah. people applying for the job. And mm-hmm. he gets a call, and I was listening to it at work, so I didn't catch it all. But he gets a call, basically like, "Hey, I got this coaching gig here. You have to be here tonight." And this is like at ten a.m. Calls his dad. His dad's like, "Hey, if you want to get in the coaching, you got to do this." So he just like gets in the car, packs his stuff up, drives to Ohio from I don't remember where he was. I wish I knew that, but it's a decent drive. So it's like a ten hour drive. Calls his work on the way, quits. <laughs> goes and be when goes and be a grad assistant at Miami, Ohio. So I don't think he has any problem um dropping what he's doing and coming to be an offense coordinator. Montana State probably a nice little pay up, up upgrade for him. So <laughs> interesting story. A guy clearly has some passion for football. The, he has a very good memory from when I, from listening to that podcast. So in Vegan we trust on this one. I don't I'm not sure how I feel on it, but uh you know I'll trust the man and and you wonder how much too is vegan planning on having his hand in the play calling soup. Ugh, right. One thing Jeff Chilt learned as he went along was to trust his trust his coaches, and so I'm interested to see how uh, Brent does in that aspect. All right. Well, let's let's take a look at the staff real quick. The rest of the staff, um, just kind of see. I don't know what we want to talk about this. Do you want to kind of identify guys that you think are absolute keep on staff kind of guys? I don't want to like, little, I don't want to talk yeah. bad about anybody or anything like that. I think we, but we can look at the staff and see like, all right, this guy, I'd love to stay on, keep on the staff. Yeah. So look, what I'll do right now, Ryan, I'll just run down who we have on staff right now. And then uh, we'll just go from there. Okay. Sounds good. So uh, outside of uh, Brett Vegan and Taylor house, right. As our offensive coordinator and head coach, excuse me. Yeah, we do. We still have BJ Robertson. He's our special teams coordinator, high school relations, uh, assistant head coach right now. Still, and this is all taken from MSUBobcast.com. So, if, if this is not current, then uh, it's their fault. 
Uh, <laughs> Bobby Daly. Bill Lamberty. <laughs> Bill. Come on, Bill. <laughs> we love you, Bill. Sorry, Bill. Um, um, yeah, so Bobby Daly had the title as assistant head coach. I think that was probably just to get him some, a little bit more cash, uh, but he's mainly the linebackers coach. We have Brian Armstrong, offensive line, run game coordinator. Defensive line is um, Byron, By- Byron Hout. Uh, Jimmy Beal, our boy Jimmy Beal, friend of the podcast, recruiting coordinator and running backs. Cornerbacks is Kyle Reisinger, wide receivers. That's open because recently vacated by Eric Frazier. Uh, we have tight ends, Nate Potter, uh, video coordinator, Garrett Becker, football operations, Cole Moore. And then we have offensive intern, Jonathan Amosa, and graduate intern, Austin Ibarra. Uh, and then Last but not least, Director of Football Strength and Conditioning, Sean Heron. New hire. Yep. New hire. So, okay, Ryan. So I'm going to pose a question to you. Out of all of those, like, who do you want to keep? So I think you can obviously identify B.J. Robertson as a guy you just have to keep. Yeah. Because of his Montana connections. He is Mm -hmm. the Montana recruiting guru. Like, you, you want that guy here because... He's done a great job in state building those inroads to all those small communities, every community in Montana. Like he's a guy you keep on the staff, just figure out a way to keep him there. If that's his only job, (laughs) don't even coach any football. Just be the Montana recruiting coordinator. I don't know, but he's got to stay on the staff. I think he does a great job. Um, I was super excited when we hired Jimmy Beal because he has such a good reputation as being a recruiting coordinator. He hasn't had a chance to do a lot yet. He's one of the, one of two guys on the staff, right? Who's been hired and hasn't coached anything yet. <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah. Him and Justin Yui sitting there. Yep. Not having coached anything for MSU. So, um, once you look down the list, uh, I know you're real high on Byron Hout. I am as well. I think it's a great defensive line coach. I think he's a guy who could rise in the coaching ranks. If you can somehow keep him on a staff, that'd be a great one. Bobby Daly. I think he does a great job with linebackers and who could actually be a candidate for defensive coordinator. If you ask me, um, those are the guys I identify as guys I'd really like to see stick around. I think Nate Potter actually does a really good job with the tight ends too, considering they never catch any football. So basically he's just like a secondary offensive line coach, <laughs> but I think he does a great job. So um, how about you? What, what are you thinking about that group there? Ryan, you named pretty much every coach we have except Brian Armstrong. And I love Brian Armstrong. I think he does a great job with the offensive he does. line and, and run game yeah. coordinator. Honestly, there's not a single... <laughs> I like this. This is a good staff. Yeah. And that, there's not a single guy. I feel bad for Justin Udy. I don't know anything about him. I don't know what kind of coach he is. So it's easy for me to not say he needs to stay on. But I feel bad. He just got kind of a raw deal. And, and so far, he hasn't announced any any new position or anything like that. So you wonder, is he going to stay on as a quarterback's coach? Actually, he is the offensive coordinator slash quarterback's coach. He'll be taking a pretty big pay cut. Um, But at the same time, he's not very experienced. So he might have a hard time finding another job as an offensive coordinator in in FCS anyway. So he might behoove him to stay around for a couple of years and then move on or learn from vegan and the new guy. I don't know. So there's, there's some options there. It's a good staff, man. There's nothing to... I wouldn't trade anybody right here. That's the hard part. I could see UD taking over Eric Frazier's job with the receivers. Let's say, by chance, Bobby Daly uh, goes up into the DC, uh, DC, the DC role. Is there anybody that you think, like, 
hey man, we could get back to Montana State that would or bringing in a coach that would just really fit that uh, fit that spot right there. So yeah, if you're talking about position coaches and daily does take the DC job and there's a linebacker coach open. So we had an interview with Jody Owens last year. We've done, we've done yeah, this podcast for a long right time. Around. I'm starting to actually, I'm actually starting to uh, blend it all together. <laughs> yeah. It was during quarantine. During quarantine. So we had Jody Owens on and he was telling us, man, how much he just loved Bozeman and he wants to kind of, he'd be happy to be back at some point coaching on the staff. And if the job opened up, He's currently like a co-defensive coordinator at a D- division two school, Pittsburgh state. I think he'd be an easy choice to get back as a linebackers coach. I think he'd be a guy I would love to have back there. Cause I think he got kind of a raw deal. The 2015, you know, the end of the ash era came in for one year and then the whole staff got canned. So that's just something that just jumps to mind based on the conversations we had with him last year. How about you? Oh yeah. Jody Owens would be a no doubt. Like a no brainer for me, bring him back. If nothing else, like he, he bleeds blue and gold, he like does. you, like you and I, and also he has that Texas connection. I think keeping that Texas connection open is, is huge. We have to continue to mine out of Texas. And so Jody would be a great fit on the Bobcat staff. And I know he wants to get back here. So yeah, I'm, I'm really hoping for him. I mean, if you even look at a team like North Dakota state, they're not winning all their football games, recruiting guys out of, out of North Dakota, South Dakota, Iowa, mm-hmm. all that. They're, they're that Watson guy that tore us to pieces last year. He's from Florida. <sighs> so you, you got to go to some of those states where the speed is. So a guy like Jody Owens <laughs> with that pipeline to Texas, I mean, you got to have the, some some Southern speed somewhere, right? If you know a national championship. <laughs> you know, I remember Jeff Choate talking about it's it's wise to hire Bobcat legends back onto your staff. And Jody Owens, I mean, to me, he is... I've said this on our podcast. He's like probably my favorite Bobcat of all time. Yep. And so him and Travis Lilly, but uh, yeah, I mean, there's, I don't see why you wouldn't uh, at least, I don't see why Brent would not even like entertain the idea of bringing Jody Owens back. Yep. So I hope Jody reach out, I reaches out to him and, uh, you know, can at least establish contact. Other than that, like, there's no one that just jumps to my mind. Because I mean, that would be the position perfect right there. Yeah. If if, if right. Daly gets a DC job, there'd be linebackers coach open. So I mean, there you go, easy pickings right there. Um, no one else really comes to mind. I mean, obviously, Kane Ione, I guess now, ex Bobcat. <laughs> well, hold on, before we move on to Kane, uh, what do you think about like maybe bringing back Roger Cooper as DC? That's right. Yeah, his name's been floated around there, and I have mixed feelings on that. Um, I like Roger Cooper a lot. His defenses at Idaho State have not been very good. Yeah. And Idaho State's not very good. So that's just a, is that a product of just being in a bad situation? I don't know. All right. Idaho yeah. State's been bad for a long time, but their defenses have been like historically bad, I feel like, in the last few years. Yeah. So maybe he'd be better, better luck here. Maybe he's a, a good offensive or a defensive coach and he just doesn't have anybody to work with down there. I don't know. But it, it makes you wonder because like the Bobcats, when Jeff Choate's first year, the talent was the talent wasn't bare, but you know, a lot of guys def- like a lot of guys left the team when Choate was hired. That's expected. That's fine. I'm not blaming anybody. But basically, we went from like one of the worst defenses I've seen in the history of watching football, <laughs> the 2015 Bobcat. They were so bad. I'm sorry. And <laughs> they were. Greg Rat came in and 
whipped that that freshman team. There, there was like four freshmen on the defensive line at one point in that game, I'm pretty sure. The Derek Marks. And he whipped them into shape, and they were like a top half Big Sky defense in year one. So it can be done. Like a, a good coach can take a, uh, a team that had not been performing or maybe have the guys play above their talent level. So I don't know. I don't know about Roger Cooper. I do love having Bobcat Legends back on the staff, but I'm not sure I'd be comfortable having him be the defensive coordinator necessarily. But he has Big Sky defense coordinator experience. That is a huge positive. Hey, Thorny, who coached that 2015 defense? Uh, that would be Marshall. <laughs> and? Nope, just Marshall. <laughs> I know you're baiting me here. <laughs> I know it. Yes, Kane Ion is the, the co-defense coordinator. And there's a lot of Bobcat fans who were not thrilled to have Kane Ion back. Do you remember? Oh, yeah. Bobcat Nation was not real thrilled about bringing him back after he was an analyst at UW for a while because of 2015. That one year alone pretty much spoiled a lot of people's opinion of his we coaching talked abilities. About that. Yeah, we talked about that on our podcast. Hey, Thorny, before we get into uh, the Golden Cooley questions, let's, let's wrap this up with this final thought. And that final thought is, did MSU make a mistake letting Kane Ione go? We have to talk about that in this episode. On the surface, yes. I don't know any details. I don't know if he wanted the job. I don't know anything. But to let a guy who's like the most bobcatist bobcat that ever bobcatted go, it's it's tough. It's a tough one. Tough pill to swallow. Okay. If you had to put a percent, Kane Ione versus Brent Vegan, what you know right now, who? what kind of percentages would you give them in... Uh, in relationship to like having the job, like, or like your favoritedness. I don't understand how I'm supposed to quantify like, that. Like 60, 40 <laughs> Kane, Brent, or what, what are you thinking? Do you, let me ask you a better question. Do you, would you pick Brent vegan right now over Kane I own? Yeah, stop trying to use your math on me. That was confusing. Uh, <laughs> um, now that I've sit there and consumed a bunch of Brent Vegan stuff, I'm all like I'm all in on Brent Vegan. But if you asked me straight up before I knew anything about Brent Vegan, I would have ch- chosen Kane Ione easily. Yeah. So it's it's, tough, it's probably 50-50 right now, to be honest. Yeah, it's it's not an easy answer to do. I mean, I was trying to put you on the spot, and make you, you know, do a a 49-51 kind of thing, but it's tough. I mean, you you don't have a, a known quantity with Kane Ione, like you said, he's the most bobcat bobcat out there. Well, I mean, he is the golden boy. He's been groomed for this moment in his life and he passed it up and he passed it up. I don't know if that's by Montana state's fault or can I owns like just going, you know what? I need to get out of here. I, who knows? Like you and I are just fans. Like we don't know people around probably do know, but I mean, he might've finally just decided he wanted to spread his wings from Montana state. I mean, he might not have wanted the job. Yeah, I think he's you know he's gonna be plugged in a new tree. He's gonna be making a lot more money. And let's let's be honest, Ryan. If money was the reason, money's enough. <laughs> because yeah. the difference in the amount of money he was gonna make, I mean, it's it's enough. If you're saying, yeah, I can make a hundred thousand more or two hundred thousand more, that's a lot of money. I mean, that's that's enough. That could be that could be an easy decision for you. Yep, it's absolutely true. And uh 
you know, best wishes to him. And yeah, if he has a successful stint at Boise State, it's only going to get better for him. Yeah. So he's, as far as I'm concerned, he's taking a step off to bigger and better things and we probably won't see him again. You never know. Like a guy could come back and want to be head coaches alma mater down the road, but assuming things go well from him for him. Uh, yeah. He's not, I don't think he'll be back anytime soon. And it makes yeah. me sad, man. He was a big part of Bobcat lore for a long time, both as a coach and as a player. Yeah. Basically my entire fandom, Kane Ione has been there. Yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of weird. And, uh, you know, just best of luck, Kane. Yeah. I'll most fondly remember him as a player, not as a coach. Thorny, this has been a beefy episode. We've had longer. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm not talking about just length. I'm just talking about like the meat of the subject. It's, it's been big. <laughs> not the know. length. It's the girth. Got <laughs> <laughs> to, to put an explicit tag on this episode. Yeah. You got to leave that in. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right, buddy. Um, <laughs> let's get, let's, are you ready to move on? Or we can do our golden coolies and get out of here. I think so. I'm look. I'm scrolling up and down on our sheet here. I think we covered it pretty much everything. Um, oh man! Well, actually, I forgot. We're looking at the time. It's not too bad. But then I haven't. We haven't put in the Sam Herder interview yet. So yeah, yeah. We're, we're pushing an hour fifteen right now and having out of the questions. So yeah, let's move to the questions. Why don't you take the first one? Why don't you pick one? I think they're all on the document. We had a good number this time. Thanks. I appreciate everyone sending us questions. Some some uh, relevant, some are silly. All right, well, let's kick it off with a Bobcat Nation coolie question. Uh, Montana Bob, he asks us which coaches are staying and who is moving on. Um, I think we covered that pretty well. Um, if I had to press your feet to the fire, though, fully, who would you say is moving on? One coach. Not his. I'm not going to ask you for the reason why, just who you think might be on their way out, either of their own choice or Brent Vegan's choice. I hate to admit it because he's my favorite coach on the staff, Byron Hout. I think he has some opportunities maybe. Yeah. I think he just, you know, he, um, he was, he was brought on by Choate. He was a Choate uh, disciple. He's a, you know, he's a disciple of uh, Chris Pearson. I mean, he's a Boise state player, right? Um, I just think, I don't know. I mean, that's that's a really tough one. I think he could stay. I, I could see, I could see that for sure. I could see him being maybe the um, defensive coordinator. But uh, I don't know what's inside of me that's saying like he's just probably going to move on to something that's uh, that's going to keep him moving up the ranks. And if I had to pick one guy, it's tough, man. It's tough. The staff is good. I like them all, and I. I guess I'd pick somebody on the offensive side because Brent Vegan is an offensive minded coach. Good point. Good point. So um I guess Justin Udy. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, he just lost the OC position. Um, so I don't know if he's gonna stick around or not. But uh if I had to pick a guy most likely to leave, it'd be him, I guess. Okay. I can see that. And for staying, like I think honestly, I think Brent Vigan says he wanted to make the staff choices final by the end of next week. I'm not sure who, who gets changed out here. Like I can't, I could not tell you who I think other than, I mean, obviously Justin Udy is not the offensive coordinator anymore, but if he wants a position, I think he would have been 
we we have heard he'd be gone by now if he was going to go, or if he's I've heard he'd be on the way out. So I don't know who's going to leave. I don't know. Probably uh, or we're talking about who we talking about now. Good lord, <laughs> talked in the circles and I confused myself. Who's staying? Who's, Who's staying? leaving? Everyone's staying until they're made not to. I don't think anyone's leaving on their own volition except for maybe Byron Hout. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Could have answered that a lot quicker. Okay. Moving on. <laughs> Spring Creek Cat. I might be Our on boy beer down two in Lewistown. Man, Spring Creek, your name always gets me. It's alliteration. I always have trouble Spring with that. Spring Creek Cat. Teacher. There it is. Uh, what is the most important hire, OC or DC? I'm going to say defensive coordinator because uh, Vegan is an offensive coordinator by trade. So he's going to have a lot better influence and handle on that. I think he's going to have to hire someone and let them do their thing. So I think defensive coordinator is more important hire. I believe that a hundred percent. I have nothing to add to that, but I think that's a great question. It's a great question. All right. All right. Moving on, blue and gold blitz. <laughs> what is the best burger you've ever eaten in Montana? He has two questions. That's the first of two questions. Uh, I did prepare for this uh, blue and gold blitz. Uh, being a Great Falls native myself, uh, they have an awesome Roadhouse Diner um, burger joint down there on, I think it's 15th or 14th, um, 15th. Uh, death by bacon, a single patty stacked with four slices of bacon, bacon, braised, grilled onion, provolone cheese, and topped with our scratch made bacon jam. Thorny, if you've never had bacon jam, stop what you're doing. Invest in bacon jam. It's the best topping ever. Are we going to charge this business for that ad you just read for them? It's <laughs> <laughs> not like you're so reading their man. menu. <laughs> I was reading their menu, man. I was exactly. That's what I was doing. <laughs> well, that's, that's a great answer. I thought long and hard about this. I don't have an answer. Yeah. And it's not because I, there's so many to choose from. It's been so long since I've had a, like a burger in Montana, that even this like registers, like I haven't lived in Montana at this point for 10 years. Jeez. That's sad. You know, I think the correct answer to this question is something we don't know. I think it's gotta be like one of those, uh, those mom and mom and dad bars in like, small town montana and and you know the they just bring out the biggest burger and it's the best beef because it's just you know it was you know, raised right there in the lot behind them and uh, i just we just don't know that place i don't know that place but uh the roadhouse diner is definitely delicious so i, I, I thought of an answer right and there. it's not necessarily because the burger is so good it's just the childhood memory attached to it when we went and had like bison burgers at like the custer's last stand reenactment <laughs> I, would say I that was would... hoping to God you weren't going to say Fuddruckers. <laughs> hey, Fuddruckers did make a pretty good burger. All right. They do. They do. Although the one in Missoula right. completely closed and got demolished. But uh, anyway, yeah. Uh, Custer Last Stand, Bison Burger, back in like early 90s before bison meat really became readily available like it is now. A lot, a lot of memories <laughs> attached to that. So, sure. The, the, the burgers at the stand in... Is that Hardin? Is that where the Custer's Last Stand reenactment is? Don't know. Oh, man. It's been a long time. So anyway, that burger. <laughs> All right. I'm going to hold off on Blue Gold's, uh, his second question. I'm going to read that last. And yeah. So we're going to go down to our Twitter uh, or email website. We got one from the email? Or was we it did, yeah. Someone submitted one through the email. Nice, nice. Our koozie. Uh, 
Cooley yep. submission form. <laughs> Carter Carter Meyer asked, "Does uh, Coach Vegan eat beef?" He looks like a guy who eats beef to me. He's from Bucks, North Dakota. I'm pretty <laughs> sure that's all he eats. <laughs> I'm sure he's got this question before. <laughs> I'm I guess he eats beef. Yeah, I get why. You know, vegan. The joke jokes are endless. Carter. But uh, <laughs> pretty, pretty sure he's gonna be. I uh, hope he's feasting on grizz meat. So yeah, I say yeah. Of course, he eats meat. oh my gosh okay so uh boston bobcat says my question is what happens to coach yudi going forward i mean yeah we we talked about this yeah we covered it we don't know i mean it's a good question we don't have any more information than anybody any joe schmo on bobcat nation unfortunately but uh hope he stays on but you know it is what it is at this point i think he might a chance i think he deserves a chance and i think he might actually take a uh, position coach job if offered. Yep. That's what I'm hoping. Our friend Brian Marceau says, what are the most promising and concerning aspects to this hire? Brian, you're going to have to go back to hour one to listen to that. <laughs> we can make it succinct. I think promising okay. is that the, his pedigree at FCS championship power, North Dakota state. And the concerning aspect is his abilities pl- calling plays at Wyoming. I'll make it real quick. There you go. <laughs> you agree with that? Uh, 100%. 100%. <laughs> thanks, thanks for listening, Brian. Yeah. If you made it this long, thank you, Brian. Yeah, congratulations. I don't know why you're still listening. Yep. Uh, Montana Parlay, another friend of ours. How soon before it starts, uh, before uh, Bear Tycoon starts his social media push for a vegan to be hired by FBS school? As soon as, uh, as soon as the Bobcats beat the Grizzlies again, yeah, which is that probably going to happen next answer. fall. <laughs> that is the correct answer. That's absolutely correct answer. He doesn't care until the Grizzlies again, and then it's uh, the entire offseason is Bear Tycoon tweeting out, hire Brent Vegan to any single coaching opportunity across the country. Yeah. So, yes. And, and it will happen. It, yep. In, in, it, like, seared into my memory... If uh, Derek Marks is out there listening, thank you, Derek Marks, because I remember you at the very end of uh, Cat Grizz 2018 after the goal line stand, you were on you were on the, the airwaves there and you said, it's now the standard. And uh, I'll never forget you saying that. And, and you made me believe it. And it, uh, it was proven true. And it is the standard now. So as soon as that happens, again, uh, Bear Tycoon will be lobbying for Vegan to be uh, at the FBS so if you don't know what we're talking about, our friend, uh, Bear Tycoon, who is basically the Montana Mint producer or CEO, I don't know what he does. Anyways. Uh, he's the talent. Yeah, he's the talent. Uh, he's <laughs> Just well, ask him. He's, he's really just a uh, lawyer out in uh, the East Coast. Anyways, um, anytime there's an FBS opening, he would put uh, Jeff Choate's resume or lobby uh, that position on Twitter or social media is for Jeff Cho to be hired away. So do you think Bear Tycoon's just sitting there thinking like, yes, yes, this is all my doing. <laughs> no, he's not. <laughs> <laughs> I got uh, Jeff Cho that job. Yeah. Bear Tycoon is also a Great Falls native. So he went to Great Falls High. So I do give him some love on that. But uh, yeah. Real quick here. Comical. Your, your, your comments about Derek Marks. We should totally, before next Cat Grizz, do like a top five performances in Cat Grizz history. Ooh, I like that. It'd be a really fun episode, a really fun segment. Individual performances in Cat Grizz games only. <laughs> Write that down. 
on your, I know you have a pen and paper next to you because you're a pen and paper guy. Top five. Right. Top five. <laughs> got it. I'm on it. Okay. Then we have a question on Twitter from Kevin Inabnit. I have no idea how to say that, buddy. I'm sorry. Um, and this is a question that could be an entire podcast episode, isn't it? Fully. He asks us, how will Brent Vegan use Troy Anderson? <laughs> oh, you know what? We've been talking for a long time. I don't have the energy for this. He's going to use him the best way he knows how. <laughs> That's such a lame answer. That's such a lame answer. You know what's so funny is like Troy Anderson hasn't played football for the Cats in so long. It's almost like he's just like a, like a myth right now. Like he's still on 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 the team and he's still going to play, but he hasn't played in so long given his injury and given COVID status. It's just like, man, I can't believe we're going to get to watch him to play football again. Like I'm excited about that. I think he's going to be used on the defensive side of the ball, but I'm a hundred percent not sure. I mean, now, now you got me now I'm getting my own <laughs> stuff. Like vegan is the offensive guy. I mean, why not hand the ball off to Troy Anderson? Like, I mean, who knows? Yeah, he might just continue to use him like a little bit of O, a little bit of D. Yeah. I would like to think that that he sticks on the defensive side of the ball solely. Uh, but it's it's hard to ignore Troy's prowess on the offensive side of the ball. As Coulter tells you, one of the NFL scouts he sat by in one of the games said he's the best touchdown maker I've ever seen. Like, how do you ignore that? How do you just like, oh, well, let's, he's linebacker now. <sighs> yeah, I don't know how Brent Vegan's going to use him. I know like, I have thoughts on how I would use him, but Brent Vegan, I have, I really have no clue. I don't know enough about Brent Vegan. If he, if he was a completely defensive-minded coach, he'd be like easy peasy defense. But he is an offensive coordinator, and he's going to look at what Troy's done on offense. He has plenty of film and tape on it. It's going to be hard to to just to, to not squeeze him into offense somehow. I bet. Maybe they'll use him like Montana State should have used him as a running back. Whole other episode fully. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Troy Anderson. I would be okay if Troy was a full time running back, to be honest. Yeah. I don't know if he can he withstand it. But. <laughs> All right. All well, right. We got one more. But we, got, we do have one more for Blue and Gold Blitz. Oh, yes. <laughs> Blue and Gold Blitz. Who would win in a fight between two Brent Vegans and one Jet Chote? And why would Chote dominate the fight? <laughs> Man. Uh, we, we know how Blue and Gold feels. <laughs> I'm not sure he's wrong. Uh, <laughs> it's that uh, we talked about this last night. It's kind of like who would, who would win in a fight between Chote and a hurricane and the hurricanes, hurricane. <laughs> I can't say it anymore. <laughs> Hurricane's name is Chote. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I don't know. The Chote lore is going to live on. Yeah. I don't know how to answer that question. I will say Brent Vegan is bigger than you think he is. He's a big boy. Somebody on Bobcat Nation posted uh, the video from like SWX or something and talking about. Like, I didn't realize how big Vegan is. Go to this segment of the video, and he's standing next to Cole Moore, and Cole Moore is 6'2", and Vegan is bigger than he is. Hmm. So Vegan's at least 6'3", or 6'4". Well, he played tight end, so he must be a big boy. Yeah, so, I mean, there you go. That, that's, a, that's a pro for 
two of you against against Wedge Jeff Choate. Ooh, that's a that's a fair fight. How big was how big was Choate? I don't know. I what really position don't know. Choate play? I think Choate's not as big as you think he is. Well, it's the ego precedes him. So you yes. know. Okay. All right. So uh, Thorny, we decided on two winners tonight. Do you remember the, who they are? Because I can't. Spring Creek Cat for the serious question, and we liked the vegan two vegans versus Choate question, so we gave Blue Gold Blitz also a coolie. <laughs> All right. Woo! First two-time winner, Spring Creek Cat, and first two-time winner in a single episode. Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Send us your contact info and I'll get that golden coolie to you. We are done. Thorny, take us out, buddy. This has been an episode, right? This is. Oh, my gosh. I'm Beefy. looking at the timer, hour and 24. Um, yeah, I feel, feel like we uh, got a little loopy at the end. So let's get out of here. You can always find us on Twitter, our Art Cat Cast. You can find us on artcatcast.com. You can find us on the bobcatnation.com, the message board for Bobcat fans, because we have a recurring thread there where I post all the episodes and some chatter. Foley's kind of in charge of the Golden Cooley thread, which is where we got these questions from. Thanks, everyone, for sending in your Golden Cooley questions. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We really appreciate it. It's 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 been such a fun ride, and I just want to appreciate everyone. You know, Say thank you for everyone for listening to our show. Thank you again to Jeremiah Johnson for sponsoring us, and let's get out of here. With a Brent Vegan, go cats. Go cats. Go cats. All right. I got places to be.